0: All right. So um, one of the people that uh, was in there, Leonard, from Eagle Rice Church, that is the church that we have been supporting for the last two years, um, especially during COVID when they had no money to get food. uh, Last year and a half, something like that. But, sorry. Um, But, yeah, we've been giving uh, monthly or or quarterly donations to them. And what they're able to do is they're able to feed people. But not just feed people. They're able to witness to them, lead people to Christ. And I think um, you look at this last one, the Father's Table. What are they doing? They're... They're only feeding people. But what they're able to do is they're able to minister to them by bringing a table before them and saying, hey, here, have a meal. Let's sit down and we'll talk. But they're able to minister to people. So with what we do, it's not just, okay, hey, we're just not working out with one missionary. or what. We're helping multiple churches around the world. When we, um, when we give to that, when, you're tith- when you tithe to that, when we give to those, that's what our tithe goes to. It's not just, well, we go to do backpacks to or um, different things like, um, but we're not just giving backpacks to kids. We're able to touch churches all over the world. Like we were able to help some of the churches in Cuba with food, like with what our, our, um, what we give yearly to pioneer, what we give these different offerings and stuff like that. We're able to help them with food because if you look at Cuba, they're struggling just to get food now. Now they're not, they're not struggling for, Oh, I don't have good internet. I don't have, you know, cell phone service. They're struggling for, we need food. So when we do that, what we're doing is this, is we are now um, giving to stop poverty, but we're also stopping what the enemy is doing in some of these countries of trying to tear down the uh, ability to get food, to get water, to get shelter, and, we're ta- and the enemy is using local governments in those areas, especially Cuba, to start to tear the foundation of family down, to start to tear the foundation of christianity down and what we're doing is we're supporting them by giving them food think about this if you were lacking food nothing else matters besides food and water when you're lacking food and so for us to be able to do that it encourages them knowing that people are caring about them and people are are paying attention to what they're going through in their in their lives right now so yeah just to let you guys know the offering doesn't just go to backpacks and giving them to kids it does go to other churches throughout the uh, throughout the world all right let's pray Father, we thank you for this day. We thank you, God, that um, as we come before you, God, you just, um, you set a table for us, God, that you give us what we need when we come to that table. And when we come to that table, God, that you supply all of our needs, you give us uh, the answers, you give us the way out, you give us um, the resolution, you give us the miracle. And Lord, we just thank you for that in Jesus' name, amen. So, how many of you guys ever do spring cleaning? Like four or five of you, Okay. The rest of you, talk to my wife. She'll help you get spring cleaning going. Um, yes. Yeah. So everybody does spring cleaning. My wife got bored this week, and when she gets bored, she cleans. And uh, she decided to rearrange the entire upstairs on how she wanted to. She, you know, She's painting her office and, and all that good stuff. And um, I'm like, oh, okay. She's like, I'm going to paint the office. I'm like, oh. She's like, what color should I paint? I said, I don't care. I'm never up there. You're the one that's got to sit and look at it all day long. So she was cleaning things up and she's rearranging things and, and, um, it, she got everything organized how she wants. She's like, want to have this there? And I'm like, okay, that's cool. You know, I don't really care cause she, it's hers and she does what she wants with it. So, um, <laughs> but a couple weeks ago we were sitting watching TV and we flipped through and we got, you know, when you have like cable, there's like a lot of nothing to watch, right? Well, now that regular TV has all these channels, there's a lot of nothing to watch. So we we're flipping through, and the show Hoarders is on. And I'm sorry, but when you that show is on and you flip through, you have to stop and look. It's like a train wreck, and you're just like, I have to look. And so, Hoarders is if you haven't watched the show, just watch it once, and it'll change your life. Um, it's almost um, it's almost like a. I don't even know how to explain it, but i was just going to leave it at that. But, um, you know, these hoarders, they keep everything in their house. Like some of it's like trash and filth. And the other stuff is just like, oh, we just got boxes and boxes and we just save everything. And we keep packing our house full of junk and trash and, and, um, it made me think about, like, I went into my, clo- I, we have this rule in our house, like, with us, because we have a small closet, and it's like, okay, if we haven't worn this in a year, we get rid of it. We go into our closet, and, okay, I haven't worn this in a year, get rid of it, we don't need it. Because here's the thing is, do you want it just to sit there and collect dust? Or like, oh, I could use it eventually, but will you really? Come on. So we have this rule. We just, okay, nope, I haven't worn this shirt, eh, give it to somebody else. Like, you know, I, I have two daughters that have boyfriends, I'm like, hey, you want this shirt? Here you go, have a shirt, you know, and um, it usually ends up that way. So when you clean out that closet, I'm like, oh, I didn't realize I had that. Like, I have shirts that I buy that still have the tags on them because I buy multiples. Yeah, I'm that guy. I buy multiples of the same shirt in different colors because I like the way it fits. And I'm like, hey, it's just, it's, it was $4. On, and JCPenney, I love you. And um, so I just buy it, buy it, hang it in the closet. I'm like, but I'll go through, through my clothes and be like, oh, yeah, I don't need that one. I'm like, oh, I forgot I bought that one a couple years ago and it still has the tags on it. But you find things in your closet that you don't know you have. Am I right? You'll be like going through the back of the closet you're like, oh, that's where I put that like three years ago and I don't know I had it. So it made me start to think about how we compartmentalize in our, in our lives, not just in, in our houses, in our closets, stuff like that. So what happens is, is this, is we become spiritual and mental hoarders. We, we take what we know, we take what we uh, believe and we compartmentalize it. We put it into the closet here. We put it into this closet. We shove it into the garage. We shove it into the attic of our hearts and our minds. You guys don't believe me on that, do you? Or you're all thinking about what am I doing that's doing that? Okay. So what happens is this, when we're born again, we don't get a new mind we get a new spirit and we're, we're born again but our mind has to be transformed our mind has to to change the way we did things because our mind doesn't change immediately it's like yeah i'm born again i, I love jesus and then you go drop the f-bomb at somebody on the way out the door because they pulled out in front of you um please don't do that in, in case anybody pulls out in front of you today or um and if they do just forgive them um what happens is when we don't allow God to to transform us. So what happens is, is we're born again, but we need to be transformed after that. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Our mind has to be renewed. And so what happens is when we don't allow God to clean our mind out, to transform our mind, we start to compartmentalize our life. Well, this is my work life, and this is how I act at work, and this is my church life, and I this is how I act at church, and I'm just really soft-spoken at church, and I, and I, I just love everybody. And then here's my public life when I'm driving and you know the guy pulls out in front of you or isn't going fast enough and you're laying on the horn and you know and using the sunroof to, to wave at him and um, and we compartmentalize we pack away everything and we don't allow God God to deal with what we have in our life we don't allow him to deal with us we're like oh well God I I love you and I serve you but he's like yeah you got a bunch of stuff you're hoarding in these other closets in in the in the, the in the uh, garage in the attic of your mind we pack away everything. We don't allow him to deal with what we're going through. We pack away our emotions. We pack away our feelings. Well, if I just push them deep down inside, I won't feel it that way. No, that's just—it just comes back in ten years, and then you you, know, you blow up on everybody, and then you uh, then you have a you know a horrible marriage, horrible kids, you know, and we don't allow God to deal with the pain. We don't allow Him to deal with the trauma and the different things that we have had in our life. We just kind of push it in. We close it up. If I sweep it under the rug, I won't see it and it won't bother me. But when we do that, we start to create a, a mind and a spiritual life of hoarding. And what happens is, is it's hard for the Holy Spirit to get in there. If you watch that show Hoarders, they're climbing over magazines like like, one episode, we found, they found, like, five dead cats in a house, and I'm just like, oh, I'm like... And, like, they had stuff, and like, I've had stuff since 1975, and I'm like, oh, my gosh, I wasn't even born then. And like, you've had stuff for so long that it's it's not even... Like, Sarah cleaned for a hoarder one time. And it was so bad. I was helping her, and it was so bad that, there, yeah, you want to cry. And <laughs> Sarah cried a lot. Um, but I found jars and canned goods from the the 70s that were like rusted open at the bottom and had stuff had oozed out of it and I was just like I mean yeah there was things that you can't imagine but how do you you know you see these people and they're trying to get in this house and they're climbing over through tunnels and climbing over stuff and it made me start to to realize our lives are a lot like that. Sometimes the Holy spirit's like, I can't even get in here because you got so much crap in the way. You got so much junk piled up in the corner that I can't even move in your life because I can't move through your house. Our mind and our heart are are the, is what is our house for our body. And he's like, I can't move and I can't do anything because you got so much crap in the way. If you get offended by the word crap, I'm sorry, but you're going to have to get over it. Um, but the Holy Spirit needs a place that is free of our compartmentalizing of our, our life. Well, you know what? I'm going to keep this closet with this in it, and this closet with this in it, and this garage and this attic are going to be this way. And the Holy Spirit's like, I'm here to clean your heart. I'm here to clean your mind. When we transform our mind, but when we renew our mind, the Holy Spirit comes in and he, he takes out the old junk and he puts in what is supposed to be there. You guys ever cleaned a room and are like, oh, it's just so cluttery in here. It's so messy. And then when you're done, you've actually put more stuff in the room than, you've had, than you had in it before. In our house, that doesn't happen. We get, for, for some reason, we just get less and less things. And the less and less things we have in our house, the cleaner it is, the easier it is to take care of it. And <laughs> my wife's like, amen. Um, no. No. Um, But it becomes cleaner and it becomes neater. But the Holy Spirit cannot function and He cannot rest in a house that makes Him feel gross and it has trash in it. He needs to find a place to... The Holy Spirit needs a place that is clean and neat. And that's why when we transform our mind, when we create an atmosphere in our hearts and our minds that the Holy Spirit can rest in, He helps us clean that out. He takes what we have. And he says, well, you don't, you don't need this because it's junk and it's never prospered you anything and now we're going to throw it out. He takes what is uh, a tradition in, in our life that we, well, it was, this is just the way we do it. And he's like, well, this tradition doesn't work. This, this mindset doesn't work in your life. And we're going to take it and we're going to throw it out. We're going to create something new. If you're not allowing the Holy Spirit to come clean your hoardiness of your heart out, you're, you're holding on to things that are not going to prosper you. And and I don't think God is in the mindset of, let me see what I can do to prosper them, but I'm going to let them stay with all the things that don't prosper them. He allows us to keep it, but he doesn't have that mindset of, well, I'm just going to let them keep it. And I want them to keep it. You ever kept something and you don't know why you've kept it? You get this emotional tie to something, and that emotional tie is not actually healthy. It's just an emotional tie. It could be like a... a, Oh, I found a, a screw and a nail on the floor. Oh, I just I can't throw it away. Like, it's just a nail. Throw it away. Jordan's like, I could use it. <laughs> My wife's going to go help Jordan after service here, and we're going to... Anyway, um, but we need to create a place where the Holy Spirit can rest. We need to create an atmosphere where the Holy Spirit is welcome and feels like He can move in our lives. A clean spirit is a place that allows the Holy Spirit to, to dwell, to move through, to um, have a say in what goes on. It, there, if, we're, if we want to create, you know, we talk about from heaven to earth and we want to create that atmosphere and that culture of, of heaven being on earth, how do we do it in our life if our life is full of junk? If we can't get rid of some of the things in our life to allow the Holy Spirit to move, how are we going to allow, or how is he going to move and allow us to function in that atmosphere? It's like this. You don't buy a new house and say, well, you know, I'm just going to get a dump truck load of trash and I'm going to dump it in the basement and then I'll find it, I'll go look and see if there's something good in, the, in that dump truck full of, of trash. You don't do that. But we decide that we're going to keep a dump load of of trash in our hearts and our minds and say, well, I'll find something good in it eventually. And what happens is, is God's like, you've got all this garbage that you keep packing away that you won't deal with and that you won't um, allow me to clean up. And then what happens is, is then we wonder why we struggle with our emotions and and our thought life and the different things unforgiveness for ourselves for other people we need to create a dwelling place in our hearts for the Holy Spirit second um, Corinthians 520 says therefore we are ambassadors of Christ God making his appeal through us we implore you on behalf of Christ be reconciled to God so reconciled doesn't mean well we're still kind of we don't talk but we talk you know we, we kind of see each other but we don't we don't really get along. Reconciled means that we've basically put our issues out. We've dealt with our issues. We may not be best friends. We may not be very close, but we've reconciled and said, you know what, we're going to make that connection. We may not be, you know, you guys have uh, have had friends over the years that are like, you know, we're really close. And then all of a sudden we're not close. Doesn't mean that you can't be reconciled from Uh, an argument or something that happened, but it doesn't mean that you have to be close. So God says, I want to be, wants us to be reconciled to him. So when we're reconciled to him, that doesn't mean that everything is perfect. And, you know, I think so many times we, oh, they're born again. They got saved. Everything should be good now. Well, that's not true. Life happens. Life is um, not easy sometimes. And we don't ever, I don't think anybody ever comes to, uh, to Jesus without baggage. We all come to Christ with baggage. The moment you're born, you have a big bag and you just start packing it in there. This is, what I, this is the trauma I've had. This is the, the hurts I've had. And you go to Christ with, with trauma and with baggage. And so when he reconciles us, when he says, I want you to be an ambassador, we're reconciled, be reconciled to Christ, he says, come to me, we'll deal with the issue, and then we're going to start working on you. But if, if we're ambassadors... Ambassadors know how to carry the culture of the country they're from. If you look at the U.S. Uh, ambassadors, they know what is right and wrong, what the U.S. will allow and what the U.S. won't allow. Sometimes it feels like we allow a lot now, but um, you never know. Um, depends on the day in the country. But, um, but the ambassador understands what, will, what we will allow and what we won't allow. And I think, as ambassadors, he calls us to be that, but he says, "Okay, what are you going to allow as an my ambassador? Are you going to continue with the the um the hoarding of the emotions and the the anger and the bitterness and the different things like that, or are you going to allow me to deal with it so when I send you out, you're not bringing up something else besides what I've asked you to do Ambassadors don't go to the to a a foreign country and just say, hey, yeah, we're just here to chill out for a while. If you ever want to come over and talk, we can come over and talk. No, ambassadors are there to deal with the country that they're in. There's embassies in foreign countries, so we can have relationship with those countries. So there's a place in that country for the ambassadors to rest and say, okay, I'm going to be here. I'm going to. We're going to work on our, our relationship, and that's why we're here. But as an ambassador. The ambassador doesn't go over there and say, well, I'm here because I was really angry at something that happened a while ago. And I'm actually here not to represent my country, but another country, because they really, they called me up, made a phone call real quick and said, hey, can you really um, just help us out with this? And um, no, they don't do that. The ambassadors go over there to push what their country needs and what they are called to do. So as ambassadors, we're called to push the kingdom of God. We're called to bring heaven to earth. We're called to bring the atmosphere of heaven and the culture of heaven into the places we work and the places we um visit and into the into our homes. But that clean spirit is, is the key to it. And it's not ever going to be perfect. That 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 mind and that and that heart are never going to be perfect. They're always going to be renewed. There are always going to be issues that we have to work out and we have to allow God to work through them some of them take 5 seconds, some of them take 5 minutes, some of them take 5 months, some of them take 5 years and some of them take lifetimes. It's just however we're dealing with God at those moments. We've got to learn to deal and allow him to deal with us. So as ambassadors, we're ministering to people. That is our mission. So what happens though is this is we I think a lot of Christians fall into this category. While we're ministering to people is our mission, but our mission is not to give them our heart. Our heart belongs to Jesus. Our heart should belong to Jesus, but what happens is so many people, they get ministering to people and then their heart belongs to the the people instead of Jesus. So what happens out of that is we need to have compassion for people, but sometimes we Without realizing it, without without renewing our mind, we can pick up the same mindset as the people we're ministering to. So think about it this way: um, I've seen this ha- happen a lot. You get people that are ministering to the poor, and eventually they hate people with money. They oh well, just people with money. They just they don't understand what it is, and I just can't stand that. Or you get people who are sick, and they you start ministering to sick people, and you start seeing people who have died or aren't getting well, and you're like, well, does God really heal us? Does God really want to heal us? So we start to pick up those mindsets of the people that we, we start to deal with. Or broken people. We start to, start to go back into our own brokenness. Instead of helping them walk through it, we start to, to dig up the brokenness that we've had in our life. Or abused people you deal with uh, people who have domestic abuse or something like that, you start to lose compassion for the abuser who is still in need of a savior. Well, they're just a horrible person. Well, no, they're not. They need a savior. They need someone who is loving enough to, to show them that they are broken and they need Jesus. But what happens is, is because we don't guard our hearts and because we don't renew our minds, into what God says, um, we start to think like them. You guys ever done done that? You've been around somebody, and then all of a sudden you're like, why am I doing this, or why am I saying this, or why am I thinking this way? You start to be around somebody for a period of time, and it can be five minutes, it can be five years, whatever it is, but you start to get around them, and you're like, why was I saying this? Why was I doing this? This is not me, but I was in that, that atmosphere, and I was in that culture, of their home or their business or wherever we were, and I started to pick that up. You guys know that? Yeah, we've all done that. Yes, we've all done that. Whether you raise your hand or agree with me or not, you all done that. Um, so I heard a, a guy say, he says, if we lower our standard of conviction to embrace people, we become like them. That's why our conviction level, our our culture of conviction, the atmosphere we carry inside of us has to be greater than the culture we're dealing with. Because if it is not, we start to become like them. We'll start to think like them. We'll start to act like them. And it's like, God's like, I've never called you to do this. I've called you to be ambassador. Not think like poor, not think like sick. I've called you to be an ambassador. We have to understand how what they're thinking, but we don't have to live like they're thinking. We have to we have to keep the mindset of Christ, we have to carry that culture in us, that atmosphere that God has created in us, that or the atmosphere that we want in us, in order to stay out of that because what happens is this is you deal with victims eventually, if you don't have a renewed mind, you start to become a victim, you start to pick up the way they talk, pick up the way they think, and it's always somebody else's fault that like you make me so mad, really? yeah, I snuck into your head turned on the mad switch and then snuck back out while you were while you weren't looking. And we have to start to we have to carry an atmosphere in us that is able to sustain even through tough times. We have to watch our heart because it will affect our attitude for the people around you. You know, if you deal with, if you go, say you work at, I don't know, I'll use my daughter. She works at a gas station. She deals with some weird people sometimes. And she tells me some stories. But she doesn't let that affect the way she treats them. She's still nice to them and kind to them. They may be rude to her, but she still has the ability to treat them kindly. She still has the ability to, to be loving and kind to them, even if they are, you know, being jackwagons to her. But in our house, we've said, okay, this is, this is the culture that we want for our family in our, our, our house. Our kids are learning to carry that culture. They're learning to have that in their hearts to be able to go out. She still has to learn more before she leaves the house. There's still, you have to create that. You have to learn to create that in your own heart. But you also have to learn to do it in your own life, too. You learn what you can from your parents, but then take it into your own life and create that atmosphere there. But Proverbs 4.3 says, above all else, guard the affections of your heart for they affect all that you are. Pay attention to to the welfare of your innermost being. From that is the wellspring of life. So we have to pay attention to what we're doing with our minds. We have to pay attention to where our minds go and what we allow. Are we hoarding the things that we don't want God to deal with. We keep Jesus in this area, and we open this drawer when we want to go to church, and this is the Jesus drawer. We open them on Sundays, and then after that, it's everything else, and then Jesus, you stay here till Sunday morning at about you know 9.30 when I get up, and then I have to pretend that I really spent a lot of time with you this week, and then I'm going to do the church thing for two and a half hours, and then I'll close the door, and I'll talk to you in about a week. if we compartmentalize our life with christ he cannot affect any other part of our life if we allow jesus to only minister to us and only do jesus things we do jesus things on sunday and after that we don't do jesus things we go to church we do the jesus thing we feel good about ourselves because we did our jesus thing for two hours and then we put them back in the drawer we go home and then we're like yo i went to church <laughs> good for you did you do anything did you get anything out of it um But our minds have to be renewed. They have to understand the culture of heaven. They have to understand the atmosphere of heaven in order for us to go out and not be affected by the culture. Our atmosphere that we have in our, in our home, we protect that. Even if we have an argument, we have to protect that atmosphere. Like, there's times where we will have an argument, but we know the atmosphere of what we want in our home, so we say, okay, well, what do we do to, to maintain that? Not fix it. It doesn't get broken. It's just maintaining it. So if I have an argument with my wife, we may have a, a, an intense fellowship session, but we're still going to maintain the, the atmosphere in our home. And sometimes it gets tested. When you have two daughters and a wife, sometimes that atmosphere gets tested, but we still maintain it. Yeah, Jim, you know what I'm talking about. <laughs> but our lives have to be able to carry the atmosphere of heaven whenever and wherever we go. It can't be something, well, I talk, I talk about God when I'm here and I don't talk about God when I'm here. If you're not, like, yesterday we had some tire issues. When I, got, I called five minutes before they closed at noon. I had a tire blowout. And the guy's like, well, if you can get here in 10 minutes, I'll get these tires put on for you. I, I wanted to get the other tire replaced too because it was getting bad. And I got there, come to find out this guy is a Christian. We spent 20 minutes talking about what God is doing in his family's life, my family's life. What, how his daughters are missionaries in, in foreign countries and different things like that. But I could have gotten there and not spoke up about what God was doing. He, he brought it up because I think he could tell what, what the atmosphere that we carried was. But I could have just not said anything, but I chose to because I saw what he was carrying. And I said, you know what, this is an amazing time that I get to speak with him. So for 20 minutes while I'm getting tires put on, you know, he's like, just pull it in the back room. So him and another guy stayed there, put tires on our our vehicle. And the entire time he's talking, putting tires on and, and, you know, he's like, oh, yeah, this and this. And we're talking and got the ability to spend time with somebody who believes a lot of the same things that I believe, but was able to carry that culture, not just, well, I could have been like, oh, tires are bad. I got to pay, you know, this amount of money and I'm so mad. You know, I could have had a bad attitude. But I chose not to have a bad attitude when I went in there. It was like, but it was a blessing at the end of that time, both for us spiritually and financially to be like, oh man, we spent time with this guy and got to know him. And now I know that when I go, if I have to go back there, if I choose to go back there, I know that someone is there and they're not just there to make money. He's there. He's like, I don't have to be here on Saturdays. He goes, I, most of the time, he goes, I have people that can cover that. He goes, he said to me, he goes, I know there's times on Saturdays where people are in need, and with me being here, I get to be able to bless them. And I said, you know what? I didn't have financial need, but I had a, a physical need. I had a tire. I'm like, okay, I can't drive on this spare all the way back home. And I had the ability, and I said, well, I was one of those people that was in need. He goes, yes, you were. He goes, but out of that need came something that, that was even there. There's, there's now a connection to understand that the atmosphere that he carries he didn't have to be there on Saturday, but he carried that atmosphere into his Saturday and said, I'm going to find some, I'm going to be here so well, I can bless somebody. Think about this: If you call somebody and say, hey, I need uh, two brand new tires on my car. I need new valve stems. I need new everything on the on the tires. Um, and I know you're going to close in five minutes. Do you think they're even going to... Like we literally called, uh, we were on our way and we called Walmart and they're like, yeah, and this was like 20 minutes. They're like, yeah, we can't do it. I'm like, well, we, uh, well, we know you can't. But... Um, But I called this place and he spent an extra 35 minutes taking care of a need that we had and we were able to be blessed from it and able to, and and I told my wife, I said, we need to bless him because of what he's done for us, you know, to stay after when he probably had things he wanted to do, family, grandkids, all that stuff. But yes, yeah. Um, But our lives have to carry that atmosphere. We can't just be like, well, it's Saturday, and I don't want to carry the atmosphere. I'm only working one Monday through Friday, and I don't carry that atmosphere after that. Our atmosphere has to be the same. Heaven ha- if we allow heaven to control the way we think, the way we um, speak, it will start to change our lives. It will start to change what, how we think about people around us. If we work on carrying the atmosphere of our home into the places we go, our kids are learning to carry that now, but they have to learn how they need to modify it for their lives, too. They have to learn how to do it successfully on their own. You know, we want them to learn before they get out of the house, before they get their own homes, their own families. We want them to understand that culture and that atmosphere so that when, they create their, when they have their own family and their own house, that that atmosphere will be very similar. If you cannot carry the atmosphere of heaven outside of church, there's something that's being compartmentalized in our life. If we cannot show the love of Christ outside of that, that two and a half hours that we might spend with people on a Sunday, then something is being compartmentalized, and it's most likely Jesus. He's packed away in the attic and only dust him off when we need to. It's like that big family Bible that nobody reads. You know, you dust it off at least once or twice a year when you have company to make them look, think that you're a good Christian. Um, Sorry, what does that mean? Um, if you, can, <laughs> if it was, it's okay. Um, so when we take Jesus and we compartmentalize him, we're taking the atmosphere of heaven, we're taking the influence of the Holy Spirit that he has in our life, and we say, "You stay in this drawer, I'll get you when I need you. Or, And what happens is, how many of you guys do this? You take something, you're like, I'm going to put it in this drawer so I know where it is when I need it. Yeah, we all do that, right? And then about a year later, like, hey, that's where that is. I knew, yeah. I mean, like, I knew it was there. I just, yeah. Um, but we do that. We take the things that we need sometimes, we put them in a place, and then we, and we close them off and say, well, I'll remember it's there when I need it. And the problem is, is we can't do that with God. We cannot. We have to allow him free to, to flow freely through our house, through our mind and our heart. Because if we put him into a place and say, well, I, when I need you, I'll come get you, We'll forget about it. And then when we need him, we don't know where he is. We don't know where, what to do, and how to find him. Our job is to protect the flow of heaven in our lives. That is our number one job, is to protect that flow from heaven to earth. So if you guys have ever read The Culture of Honor, um, they describe it as a Funnel. Uh, you guys ever tried to use a funnel the reverse way? It doesn't work very well, right? Like, I'm gonna. what are you doing? I'm funneling stuff. And it doesn't work, right? It doesn't work that way. A funnel works when the wide end is up and you pour into that instead of trying to pour it through the little end and go, why is this not working? It doesn't work that way. So our job is to, or excuse me, the funnel from heaven is open up wide so God can pour everything into it. They describe it as a funnel because it comes to us. We can't contain everything that God has poured into our lives immediately. That's why it's, it's a narrow spot to us. But our job is to not shut the valve off and to close it off and say, you know, what? I just don't need it right now. Jesus, stay in the car. I'm going to go deal with my relatives I don't really like. Or I'm going to go t- talk to my boss about something or another coworker who may have made me angry. You stay in the car or you, here, shut the drawer. I'm going to go talk to them and then I'll talk to you later about what I did. we have to protect that flow no matter what guard your heart is a wellspring of life that flow from heaven is what fills that wellspring up so when we're talking about things and when we we deal with things we cannot say well i'm going to shut the valve on that funnel from heaven deal with what i need to and then open it back up because i want to feel good about myself that i'm letting jesus back into my life the flow can only be stopped by us. It is our choice to allow heaven to influence us or to uh, let hell influence us. And there's, there's either or. There's no, well, I'm not, I'm in the middle. No. There's either hell influences or heaven influences, and it's your choice to what is going to happen. Here's the, the cool thing is, is this: when that, if you describe it as a funnel from heaven, when God pours everything onto us, we can receive from God but we don't get to pick and choose what we want to receive from God. We can, but we shouldn't be able to. When God gives us the free will, we're like, well, I want peace, but I don't want joy. Do you guys want peace and not have joy? I mean, come on. You want both, right? You don't like, well, I just want joy, but no peace. I want to be super anxious, but I want to be joyful about it. No, (laughs) nobody wants that, right? I mean, yeah, it's stupid. You know, it's like, well, I want joy, but I don't want happiness. Well, Happiness is is a, a fleeting thing, but joy is a uh, is a permanent thing that we can attach to, and happiness comes out of joy. You know, I, I think in our lives we get so, well, I'm just not happy with this. Well, re- yeah, you cannot be happy with this. You may not like something. Well, are you, you have joy in it? Do you have joy while you... And it may, I don't take joy in it, but I have joy going through it. So when we choose to stop that funnel from heaven. It's not, well, I get to pick what I want out of it. It's either wide open or shut. You either get to take everything from heaven or you choose to shut it down. Well, God, I'll have your peace, but I don't want to have loving kindness towards other people. Well, peace only comes from loving kindness. God is the author of peace. He is peace. And when he gives us peace, love has to come out of it because he is love. So, we can only stop that flow. We can only compartmentalize. We can only hoard what we want to hoard. We can't hoard Jesus. I'm just going to keep a bunch of Jesus over here and I'm not going to keep any Jesus over here. I'm going to be Jesus at church and then when I go to work, Lord help them all. We have to get rid of everything in our hearts that is hindering us from allowing heaven to flow through us. So we have to allow heaven to flow through us. We have to get rid of anything that would hinder us. Otherwise, heaven can't flow completely through us. And that's true for everybody. Heaven doesn't flow 100% through everybody. Because we're human. We have sin. We have anxiety. We have rebelliousness. We have anxiety. At moments. But God can take that. God can deliver us from that. But getting rid of that hoarder mentality of, oh, I'm going to put all this here, and I'm just going to go back to it when I need it. You know what happens to that? It's called bitterness, where I'm just going to put all these memories of people that did something wrong to me in this corner, and when, every now and then when I see them, I'm going to go open that door, pull out one of the things they did to me, like, remember when you did this to me? Nope, I don't remember what I had for breakfast yesterday. Most people, I, I heard this, I was watching a television show one time, this lady's like, I, I used to have a best friend. We haven't talked in 20 years, and I don't even remember what, why it was. It was a comedy show. It was just fake, but I, it resonated because that's how we are with people. We don't remember what it was, but we hold that bitterness into a. We put it into the closet. Here's my closet of bitterness. Do you would really like to see everything in here? I've got them on shelves. Um, they put bitterness on a shelf, and then when they need it, they they see that person. Oh, well, I don't remember what they did, but I'm going to pull the bitterness out, and I'm going to show them that I'm bitter. What hinders us from allowing heaven to flow through us? Do we compartmentalize? Do we hoard those things off in the corner, in the basement, in the attic, in the closets, in the places that we don't really go because we don't really want to deal with it? I can't deal with my pain. I can't deal with my bitterness. and I can't deal with whatever it is because I'm just going to shove it in the closet and then I'll let my family clean it out when I'm dead. Think about this. It's, it's the same with physical things or spiritual things you live a bitter life and you live that entire life, your family's still going to have to deal with it when you're dead. Because you know what? It's ruined relationships for them. They should have a choice in the relationship, not you choosing for them. And so we have to, we have to take it and say, okay, God, I'm just going to put a big tarp out in the yard and we're going to do it like hoarders does. I'm going to put everything out there and I'm going to let you deal with it, God. I'm going to let you deal with it. I'm going to let you take it. I'm going to say... I'm going to let you say what is junk. And i be like, well, I kind of want that little bit of bitterness just in case I see her at family reunion, so I can just stick it to her. Or I want a little bit of that resentment because, you know, my cousin who I don't really talk to and haven't seen in 50 years does better than me financially, so I want to be able to stick it to him and say, well, look at me. No. We have to allow God to take it and say, okay, this is junk, we're keeping this. This is junk, we're keeping this. But get rid of anything that hinders us from receiving the flow of heaven in our life. Right now, some of us are at a hundred percent, some of us are at like twenty percent of a flow. But sometimes it's what is in our heart that needs to get rid of so heaven can come into it. Let's pray.